what I would have done if you would have said no. <laughs> We'd have ended a little early. Um, hey, so I grew up in a really great house. I grew up with a family that really loved me, uh, parents who were uh, strong in their faith. My, my parents were actually both uh, pastors, and, and they taught me about Jesus. They taught me about the Bible, taught me about church, uh, lots of wonderful things. But the thing I'm probably most thankful for and what they taught me was they taught me that my faith wasn't something that was just uh, a blind faith that I was waiting for God to come back one day. They, they didn't teach me that God was, you know, a million miles away and we just are waiting here on earth, but they taught me that I could interact with God, that I could know him and be known by him, and that actually God was an experiential God that wants, to be, uh, part, wants us to participate with him and to know him on a real and intimate level. So I remember um, my parents teaching me to pray, God, would you come and meet with me? Or Holy Spirit, would you come into my room? And so I remember as a little boy, I was like five years old or something, I was sitting in bed and I was just praying that God would come and meet me and that I could experience him and I remember running into my parents' room and saying, Mommy, Daddy, God hugged me. And I don't know if I had all the language for what I was experiencing. Um, and to tell you the truth, I still don't. Um, and I, as a matter of fact, I don't know if there's a better way to describe what happened in my room that night than God hugged me. Um, but I just felt consumed, wrapped up in the love of God. And that became something that, as I grew up into my, my teenage years, that, that really sustained me, that really was something that I pursued. Um, it, my, my faith wasn't just based off of words that were written 2,000 years ago, even though those words are, were very important to me. But it was on a God who loved me and wanted me to know him that I could experience. And so my teenage years were pretty fine. I never, I didn't have much tragedy or anything like that. Um, but into my 20s, uh, life became life. <laughs> where I started to experience hardships. A, a number of things happened in this little short period of time with people I, I, I loved, people I respected, I, I looked up to, were going through like moral failures, and, and, and there was my, one of my very best friends just in the middle of the night died from a brain aneurysm. Um, I, I had a girlfriend of like six years who out of the blue broke up with me, and, and my, my brother got this chronic disease that led to a drug addiction, and all kinds of things were going on. And, and, and I remember crying out to God and saying, God, would you come and, and fix this? Would you come and do something about this? And, 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 and I really wasn't getting much of a response. None of the, the situations were really changing. And so my prayers began to change. I say, like, okay, God, I, I'm not asking you to come fix these situations, but could I have one of those hugs? And I felt nothing. 
It felt like my prayers were, were, were hitting the ceiling and falling to the ground. Have you ever felt like that? In the middle of this struggle, I just felt so alone and it was confusing and I be started to become really kind of bitter towards the Lord and I had lots of well-meaning friends who would come and, and, and you know, tell me Bible verses. Like one of the, the ones that I heard most often was, you know, ask and it will be given to you. You know, knock at the door and it'll be open to you. And, and you know, your, your, your God is a, is a good father. And even earthly fathers, you know, they, they provide for their kids. And how much more is your earthly or your heavenly father going to provide for you? So just ask him and he'll give it to you. And I remember in those times, those, those verses actually hurt more than helped. And it became to be even more confusing because I said, I am asking and I'm not getting anything. And I would hear these Bible verses and they just became like little things that just made me angry. Because I was like, this is not my experience. I know what the Bible says, but this is not what I'm experiencing. I am asking, I am seeking, and I'm not receiving anything. And so I became more and more bitter. Uh, my, my heart became more and more hard. I wanted nothing to do with God, wanted nothing to do with church. I never questioned if he was real because I had met him, I knew him, I'd experienced him. I began to question, is God good and is the Bible true? And why am I starting with this story? Because I know many of you have experienced things very similar. You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you here today would say, I have been praying for this situation for years and I don't see God doing anything? Or I'm in the middle of this struggle right now and I don't see God's activity at all. Or I'm just waiting for God to answer this prayer. And what's hard is the verse we're gonna be studying today actually says, ask and it will be given to you. So how do we reconcile those two things? You know, my wife, um, some of you know, uh, really battles with chronic depression. And, and my wife is uh, one of the most amazing people I've ever met. I'm not just saying this, but she really is my best friend. And I've just seen depression uh, at times just cripple her. And we have prayed and prayed for, for, for deliverance from the depression and that she'd be freed from depression. And I'll tell you what, over the past year, we have seen just amazing work of God in that area, but there are still dark days. The days are, are further apart and they're, they're less extreme and we've seen God move, but we haven't seen God take away the depression, even though we have prayed for it and asked for it. So how do we deal with things like that with verses like ask and you shall receive? Well, we're gonna talk about that piece of scripture because I believe we are not understanding it the way that Jesus was saying it. 
I think we, we misunderstand what Jesus was saying. So we're going to dive into that in the middle of this series that we're calling uh, uh, Redefined. We're coming to the end of it where, where Jesus is kind of saying, hey, this is, this is how I want to end. I want to end by saying these things. And, and what Jesus is doing in this probably the most famous sermon he's ever given, or maybe the fam- most famous sermon ever given, period, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples and saying, this is what I want my followers to look like. This is how I want you to behave. This is how I want you to act. This is, this is what I want my followers. This is how I want you to be in this world. And he's redefining to them what it means to be you know, a follower of God. And so we're going to dive in and, and, and look at this text. But before we do, why don't we just pray? So Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord, we do just ask that you would be with us. Lord, that same principle that my parents taught me as a a little one, I pray that you would draw close this morning and that you would meet with your people. In your name, amen. All right, so we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. And if you need uh, a Bible, they're on the stage here and on the the sound booth in the back, but we'll have it up on the, the screens as well. So Jesus is saying, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For for this sums up the law and the prophets. Okay. So, like I was saying before, I believe this piece of scripture gets misquoted and misunderstood more than just about anything in the Bible. I've heard so many uh, teachings and people use this verse in a way that Jesus didn't intend it to be used for. Oftentimes, this text gets used to say that God will give you whatever you want. That God, all we have to do is ask him and he will give it to us. Have you ever heard people say, name it and claim it? That you can just say, God, I want this and he will give it to you. God, I I want, you know, more money. God, I want a better house. God, I want a, a, a spouse. God, I want this. And he will give it to us. But, but that is not what this is saying. And it says, knock and the door will be open. Like, if you want this opportunity in your life, you just go and you knock on that door and God will open it for you. And essentially, the way we're reading this is we're treating God like he is a genie who is there to grant our wishes. But God isn't a genie who's there to grant our wishes. He's not, you know, some, you know, spiritual butler who's waiting for us to say something and then he'll say, right away, sir. It's just not true. 
And honestly, not only is it not true, that idea is very harmful. It's very, it's, it can be very destructive in our lives. Because what happens when we pray and we don't see what we want happen? What happens when, when you were like me, praying for something and, and, and you don't get the results that you're looking for? Your faith begins to, to shake. Your faith begins to, to weaken, to crumble because it's based on something that's not true. And we begin asking questions. Maybe is this even real or is God good or can I trust the Bible? And like I said, this is why I walked away from my faith. Because I had a misunderstanding of what God uh, was for me. I, I believed that God existed for me and to fulfill my longings instead of me existing for God. I remember, uh, you know, even quoting this, this last part of the scripture, which, is, which says, you know, how much more will our Father in heaven give us? And, and just thinking, what kind of father withholds from a son that they love? My earthly father wouldn't do that. What kind of father would withhold from, from their son? And see, this misunderstanding of what this verse was talking about caused me to, to walk away from Jesus. And I began to say things like, He's the adult in the situation. He knows where to find me. I'm done trying to go where he's going. He knows where to find me. So what is Jesus saying here? What is Jesus talking about? Well, to understand that, if you were here last week, if you weren't here last week, by the way, man, I cannot recommend the sermon last week enough. It was, it was one of the best sermons I've heard in a long time. But you can pick that up on the, on the info counter or go to our website and listen to it. But Michael talked about uh, this idea of context. That if we want to understand what, anything really, but specifically the Bible, if we want to understand what something is saying, we need to read it in its context. And what's the context of this idea that, that ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open? What's the context? Well, the context is a sermon in which Jesus is telling his followers how to live. The context is where Jesus is, 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 is teaching his followers how they're supposed to behave, how they're supposed to treat people. He's been preaching about how we're, we're called to be peacemakers, how we're called to be meek. Um, he, he's been teaching us that we're, we're supposed to love our enemies. He's been teaching us that, that we're not supposed to be hypocrites, that we're not supposed to say one thing and do another. And he's been dealing with these behaviors and, and, and the lives of, a, of his followers, but not just behaviors, but heart issues too. Like, why do you do the things that you do? And he just finished up saying, uh, if you remember from last week, he just finished up saying, before you, you know, judge a speck in someone else's eyes, look at the plank in your own. Saying we have these, these planks, we have these things that we are not doing well. And so what Jesus is saying is that in this, the context of this sermon, of all these things that I'm challenging you with, if you're beginning to squirm a little bit, 
Or if you're beginning to feel a little bit like I'm not doing the things that Jesus has called me to do. Like I'm not living out the the life that Jesus has called me to live or I'm just not doing well in this. Maybe I'm not being a peacemaker. Or maybe I'm I'm really prideful. I, I haven't been meek. He's saying if you are starting to see that gap, then ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be given to you. He's saying, I am the place where you find these things. I am the place that you come to, 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 to get, to grow, to mature, to be the person that I've called you to be. And that's why he even ends this little text that we read with, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And I, and I have to tell you guys that that always confused me um, where it was put in the sermon. Because it felt like, you know, I had the wrong understanding of what Jesus was talking about. It seemed like Jesus was like asking you shall receive all of these things about how much he's going to give us. And then he says, and so because of that, be, be nice to people. And it just felt like that didn't make quite much sense. But if we understand it in the way that Jesus was trying to say it, if he's saying, listen, all of the stuff I've been talking about, in fact, all of the law, all of the prophets can be summed up with the idea to to love people the way that you want to be loved, to be kind to people, to treat people the way that you want to be treated. It all is summed up with that. So therefore, you can come and ask me and I'll help you with that. You can come and, 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 and seek it, and I'll help you find it. Love people the way that I love people, is what he's saying. So today, what I want to talk about is then how do we come to him? How do we walk out this Christian life where we can mature and be the person that God has called us to be? How do we, do we, we walk this out when we see that we lack, when we see that we're, we're not living the life that Jesus has called us to live? What do we do? And, 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 and when we see that gap, I believe that Jesus is calling us to ask. A-S-K. And this is a little bit of an acronym. He's calling us to A, ask, S, seek, and K, knock. And I think this progression is really important. And the order of it is really important as well. But if we look at it from the front, when when Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. The first step in what God is calling us to do, and we see these areas that we lack in, is, is to ask, and asking is a, real, a relatively passive thing, right? It's not like, you know, put on your boots and, and start working really hard. The first thing is just to recognize that there's a problem and to ask him. And I believe there's so much power in just understanding where we need to grow and going to God and saying, hey, can you help me with this? Recently, God has been highlighting some areas in my life that I need to grow. In fact, it's been not just recently, it's been my whole life really, but recently there's been some really significant things that God has pointed out and saying, 
hey, this issue that you thought you maybe had worked through, you haven't. There's still issues of comparison and pride and, and ego and insecurity, and, and I want to work with you on this. And, and let me tell you, in my experience and, and what I've learned from God and who he is and what I've learned about him, those times where he points those things out in me, I, I, I don't feel like judged. I don't feel shame because I know that all God is interested in doing is bringing freedom. And there's something really freeing about knowing that when I recognize that I lack in something, that God is there to help me with that. That he promises me that he will, that if I ask, I will receive. And that is super freeing. And so for you, I don't know what you struggle with, but I know you struggle because the Bible tells us that we all do. And so maybe you're here and you struggle with anger. Or maybe you, you struggle with gossip. And, 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 and when you notice that, when you recognize that, the first thing that we need to do is to, to, to say, God, I'm struggling with this. And we don't have to, look, here's the thing. You struggle and that's okay. It's okay that you struggle. We all struggle. We're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. And see, one of the greatest lies the enemy tells us when we realize there's that gap or when we realize that we're struggling is one, he wants us to feel shame. He wants us to feel like we're the only ones who struggle with this. Or, or what if, what if the, the rest of the people in my small group find out that I, I, I struggle in this area and we feel shame and we hide and we think, I gotta just, I gotta work this out and I gotta be better so that I can, you know, be loved by God or be, be accepted into the community of God. And, and so we hide. Or, or, or the enemy wants us to just kind of say, not a big deal. I can do what I want. But God doesn't want us to feel shame and he doesn't want us to, to sweep it under the rug. He wants us to deal with it. And, and the first thing we need to do is just to come to him and say, God, I need help. And here in the vineyard, we call that making exchanges. We can make exchanges with God where, where basically we, we say, God, I have this, you know, I have this pride. And I don't want it. Do you want it? And he takes it. And we don't just leave. We, we, we say, and what do you have for me? Because he has good stuff. We make an exchange. We say, I'm giving you, you know, my pride. Can you fill me up with your humility? Or God, I have this judgmental attitude. Can you give me compassion? We make an exchange with God. And this is really foundational in the Christian faith. This is, this is really just the normal Christian life. It is regularly being confronted in our brokenness, seeing our sin, and not getting bogged down by it, not feeling overwhelmed by shame, and not downplaying it, but just saying, oh, here it is. I don't want this. God, can you have it? Can you take it? God says, ask, and you will receive. Ask for help, and I will give it to you. 
And this is just the process of life. This is the process that we will go through until the day we die. I love what Paul says here in Philippians. He says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This tells me two things. One, it tells me that we are a work in progress. Paul's saying that we are being worked on and we will continue to be worked on. And that's freeing to know that we don't, we're not perfect. And so that we are a work in process. And, and two, the thing it says is that it is God who is doing the work in us. And I love that. God doesn't say, here are my standards, now figure it out. Get better. God says, I will do the work. It is me who's doing the work in you. But in saying that, I believe God is inviting us to participate with him in the work that he is doing. I believe that this is also part of the normal Christian life is to participate with God in the work that he is doing, which leads me to the ask and ask, seek and you will find. Seek and you will find. See, seeking is not as passive as just asking, right? Seeking involves activity. It involves going. It involves motion. It's an action word to go and seek. And what I believe Jesus is saying is he's inviting us to participate in the work that God is doing. He's inviting us to participate in what's, what God is doing. So we often talk about how God is on this mission to restore what has been lost in the fall. Right? That God is on this great reconciliation mission to, to restore the earth back to himself. And that the call of the disciple, which we read about in the Great Commission, is this mission that God is on. He says, now it's the co-mission. I'm inviting you guys to do what I am doing. You guys get to be a part in going to the ends of the earth and, and spreading the gospel. But let me say this. We partner with God with what he wants to do through us, but we also partner with God in what he wants to do in us. We partner with him in, in what he wants to do inside of us and, 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 and how we can grow and change. And so let me say this. Maybe what God is calling you to do, maybe how you partner with him is to get in a small group and to connect to community. Or maybe he's inviting you to get into counseling, to go see a counselor, and that would be your way of partnering with God and the work he is doing inside of you. But we partner with God in these exchanges that he's making. And so we partner with God in this act of maturity. And so let me just make it clear too. I'm not saying we, we live a life of just managing our sin. My dad would always say, God's not calling you to a life of sin management. Where you're just like, oh, I'm not doing well here. Better get better. Or I'm not doing well here. What, what God is calling us into is to fix our eyes on him 
to walk in step with him. And when he brings up the issues, when, when we see areas that, that we're not measuring up, we say, God, uh, you know, I, I make an exchange with you and I want to partner with the work that you're doing in me. When we see moments where we can choose to maybe treat people poorly or treat people well or to, to be a, 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 someone who speaks evil things over someone or to be a peacemaker, we partner with God by saying, I'm going to choose your will, God. We actively say, God, I know I am helpless to do these things on my own that I'm unable to fix these problems and go against my own flesh. So would you empower me so that I can partner with you? And so I can say no to my flesh. Would you empower me to seek your kingdom? But it's important that we understand the order of these, right? Most religions would say, seek and then ask that we seek this, this, this inner peace and then we ask for it or we seek the, the thing and then we, we can receive it. But I love that, that Jesus says here, we ask first, it's just available for you. That the intimacy with God, the, 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 the connection with God, the work that God wants to do in you, it comes from just asking him. That we don't have to work to get it. Now, when we receive it, there might be some work that we have to do in it. But it's not seek and then ask. It's ask and then seek, which seems backwards. But God is the, is the start of it. But then he says, will you partner with me? Will you participate in the work that I'm doing in you? And here's what I've noticed in my life, is that when I ask God to help me with these issues, these issues of character, um, often he gives me opportunities to practice. I don't know if you guys, maybe it's just me, but I remember a couple years ago I was, I was praying, uh, God, would you just give me more compassion for people? God, would you, would you just give me uh, more patience and help me love people the way that you love them? And like soon after that, I just, all of these very difficult people started coming into my life. And I'm slow, so it took me a minute to realize it, but I realized God was saying, okay, I'm gonna give you opportunities to be compassionate. I'm gonna give you opportunities so that you can grow and, and learn to be uh, you know, less judgmental or, or, or whatever it is, that you can be patient. So in saying that, I am saying to you guys, be careful what you ask for. Because God answers these prayers, man. He does. One of, the, one of the prayers that whenever anyone prays, I'm always like, are you sure you want to pray that? Is, God, would you humble me? Because he will humble you. <laughs> and the process of being humbled, I'll tell you what, it is not fun. But it's good. <laughs> And the majority of times, the way that these issues get worked out, it is a process. It's a process of seeking and walking it out. 
Sometimes, sometimes there's that instant change, right? Sometimes we pray for something and God just comes and fixes the situation and we're like, hallelujah, it's great. But oftentimes it is a process that we walk through. Um, I remember Phil Strout saying, we live in a microwave culture, but we serve a crockpot God. We want it instantly, but sometimes it is a slow kingdom coming. Which leads me to the K. The knock and the door will be opened. Knock and the door will be opened. This tells me something. It tells me that when we are seeking, when we are participating, there's going to be some shut doors. When we are walking this life of, 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 of seeking after God in his kingdom, there will be obstacles. And God is saying, when you come to the door, you knock. Don't stop. This life is going to get hard. There's going to be difficulties. See, I found that the good things, the, the issues of character, the things that we really desire to, to happen in our lives, the people that we want to be, those issues uh, are, are refined in the fires of difficulties in life. So many times where maturity happens is through struggle, through hardship, through suffering. God can allow hardships to happen to form in us something really good. And so the doors, the obstacles, he says, don't stop, don't turn around, you knock. I love what Paul says in, in Romans 5. He says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Yay, everything's great. And not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Wait a minute, Paul, what are you saying here? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What Paul is saying here is, oh my gosh, isn't it amazing that we have been saved by Jesus and we've been invited into this relationship with him and we celebrate that and we're, we're happy about that, but we also celebrate in the sufferings of life because the sufferings of life produce things in us that can only be produced in the sufferings of life. That things like hope and character and peace come out of the struggles that we, we, we find in our life. And so if you want to grow, if you want to be the person that God has made you to be, I just want to tell you there will be struggles. But we don't give up. But here's what I love. It doesn't say you come up to that door and you just kick it down. Just knock down that door. No, what does it say? It says, knock, and God opens the door. God opens the door. I love this because what this tells me is not only does the process start with him, it doesn't just start with asking him, and then it says, you're on your own now, but it ends with him as well. 
That God's grace is sufficient for us at the beginning of our faith and then, you know, all throughout our faith. That the Bible tells us that he is not only the author of our faith, the one who creates it, he's not just the author of our faith, but he is the perfecter of our faith. That the way we grow when we face these obstacles, it is through God. When we are participating and we're working with him and we're saying, I'm, 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 I'm doing the things, God, that you're calling me to do and I'm walking with you, there will still be obstacles and we still need the grace of God to help us through those obstacles. See, the way we need to think about God's grace is it's not just you know, to forgive us for our sins, but it is to become the people that we have been called to become. And it doesn't mean that we don't have a part to play. Grace doesn't mean that we don't have a part to play. I love how Dallas Willard says this. He says, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. Grace, you know, does not just have to do with forgiveness of sins alone. What Dallas Willard is saying or what he was saying was that grace doesn't mean we don't have effort. Grace doesn't mean that we don't participate. Grace doesn't mean that there's not work to do. Grace just means that we don't earn it. That Jesus alone was the one who earned all of it. And so we participate and we knock and God, uh, God comes And see, I think, even going back to the kind of the original thing I was talking about with praying and not seeing God move and not seeing God answer the prayers, see, I, I think sometimes the reason that our prayers don't get answered is just mysterious, and I, and I you know, that's the million-dollar question. The million-dollar question is, why don't our prayers get answered? And my, you know, five-dollar answer is, I don't know. I don't know, but a couple things that I've seen is that sometimes the reason our prayer is not getting answers is because we're asking for the wrong thing. We're asking for, for something that's not good for us. Sometimes my daughter will say, Daddy, can I have cake for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And I have to say, no. You're asking for the wrong thing, honey. I want to give you good stuff, but that's the wrong thing. Another thing I've seen is that sometimes the reason our prayers don't get answered is because maybe we're not asking for the wrong thing, but maybe God is actually doing something inside of us. Maybe God is trying to form something inside of us. Here's what I mean. Let me go back to my story. When I had walked away from the Lord where I was saying, you know, he's the adult. And why would a good father withhold from his son? I remember one day sitting on a porch with one of my best friends, and he had just um, had a son about a year ago. His son was about, you know, one year old, and they were in the process of teaching the, the, the kid how to walk. And we were just talking, and, and I remember spirituality came up, and I began to talk about this thing that I was feeling and just saying, you know, I just don't understand why a good father would withhold from your son. You would never do that. 
And meanwhile, he is teaching his son to walk. What he's doing is he's holding a little teddy bear about two feet away from his son and saying, come take a step. He was teaching his son how to walk by by kind of holding something away. And it took me a long time to realize that maybe God was saying something in that moment. But then the thought entered my mind, what if in this moment in my life, God is teaching me how to walk? What if the reason I'm not getting what I want is because God is inviting me to take a step forward? He's inviting me to participate with him in the work that he is doing in my life. And it like threw me for a total loop. Like I was like, oh, I don't know what I believe anymore. And I remember going home and just processing through this, like, okay, um, this kind of makes a little bit of sense. This kind of makes a little bit of sense. And so, okay, God, if you are God and I'm not, that means that you're a lot smarter than me. And that means that you have plans that maybe I'm not going to understand. And so if you are teaching me to walk, then I give up. And I say, okay, and I'm going to stop fighting. And I'm, I'm done asking you to come and where, where I'm going and for, you know, you're the adult, you come find me. I'm done saying that. I'm going to go to you. I'm going to go where you're going. And I'll tell you what, guys, no joke, in that moment, I felt that hug. Like that, that the room, the atmosphere in the room changed. I can't explain it. I've never felt the presence of God so strong in my life. And I'll tell you, that moment changed me. And I have never been the same since. And I can look back at that time in my life, those years of struggle, and I have questions, guys. I still have questions. But I look back and say, something happened in me. God did something really beautiful in me. And now when I face hardships, I don't go to, I don't trust you, God. I don't believe in you. I go to a place where I say, I trust you, God and I'm not going to stop walking with you. And I forever have been changed by this, the understanding that God is God and I am not, but God loves me unconditionally. And he isn't just withholding because he's a mean guy. And so I know this morning there are people here who are going through similar things. That you are in seasons of your life where you are like, why is all of this junk happening? Or I, I just don't know why God would allow this to happen. And, and I just want to say up here really humbly, I don't know either. But what if, but what if God is Reflecting something in you. He's, he's forming something in you that's more beautiful, more true, more powerful than you, you could even imagine. God has good plans for us, guys. And I also recognize there are people in this room. I wonder if there are people here who have never said yes to Jesus. You have never given your life to Jesus. 
And I want to tell you something. You, you, you've probably heard people say, give your life to Jesus, and it's great. You know, he, he makes everything better, and it's happy, and it's rainbows, and sunshine, and lollipops. But I just want to say that's not the truth. That the walk with Jesus sometimes can be a very difficult walk. What he's inviting us into can sometimes be confusing, and there can be hardships. But I'll just tell you from my experience, I would not trade it for anything in the world. I know that there are lives that I could choose that might be easier, but I get to be a part of the most amazing story ever told. I get to be connected with my Father in heaven who knows what I need more than what I think I know. He knows I can't eat cake all day. He knows, he knows that if he gives me the toy, I won't ever learn to walk. And, and, and God is on a mission to restore the world back to himself, and that includes you. And he's inviting us to partner with him in that. So why don't we do this? Why don't we stand? Can we bow our heads? I, I just think, I think there are some people here who God is saying, today is the day that you give your life to me. And so what I'm going to do, if you have never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to just say a prayer, and you can just say it silently with me. Jesus, I just say right now, I accept what you did on the cross, and I just step into a relationship with you. And I don't know what the implications of that are. I don't know what that means, but I want to say yes to you. And I want to follow you. And so I give you my life today. If you said that prayer with me today, if, you, if you've never said something like that, can you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand up really high. With all our heads bowed. Bless you. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. Okay. Well, here's what I think God wants to do. I really felt like there was a few groups of people that the Lord wanted to minister to. Um, and the first, the first group is, I just feel like there, there are some people who are right now that you are going through it. You are facing some really hard things. And I feel like the Lord just wants to meet you and just love on you this morning. And, and, and I also, just a disclaimer, when I said that God is not just a genie who is here to fulfill our wishes, that doesn't mean that he doesn't answer our prayers. That I have seen miracles happen. And so I just want to invite you to keep praying. And if you are facing hard things, I want to invite you forward to receive prayer. It might be sickness. It might be something with your kids. It might be financial. Um, I also felt like there were some people that God wanted to do something that he calls uh, consecration, where it's basically us saying yes to him, like, Lord, I give you my life. Like, you may be a Christian. You may have been a follower of Jesus your whole life, but you're like, man, I have... Like, I've kind of wandered off, or I'm not doing these things that God is calling me to do. And I want to invite you forward just to say, yes, I'm, I'm saying yes to you this, this morning. 
Um, and then finally, I feel like there there's a couple physical things that the Lord uh, wanted to do, that there's some healing that he wanted to pour out. Um, one was, is there anyone here whose right shoulder is bothering them? You can raise your left hand, maybe. Right shoulder. Okay, I feel like there's healing for that. And then this one, I know that this is an easy one. It's probably going to hit a lot of the room. But like, I just felt like the Lord said, uh, sinus problems. And so if you have, especially this week, if your sinuses have been really bothering you, I just want to invite you forward to get prayer. So here's what we're going to do. Brielle's going to lead us in one last song. And, and while she leads us, uh, I just want to invite you guys to worship and the rest of us just to come forward and receive what the Lord is doing us. So you can start making your way up to the front if any of those things apply to you. And, and as people come to the front, if we could just, the rest of us, just pray for them. So come on up as Brielle leads us. Mm-hmm.